y'all. It's the Hoops Talk. Hi, hi, hi. Hello, hello. I'm so excited for tonight's episode. I'm just like, I'm overjoyed. I'm like, I can't believe it. Welcome. Right? Welcome all our listeners to the Hoops Talk. We are Karen, Kendall, me, Liz, and we are here tonight. We are actually... We are not recording on our regular cycle because we had some FedEx situations happening <laughs> because we all needed to get the samples of the whiskey that we're about to do a virtual tasting with our special guest, Nicole Stipp, uh, half of Matson and Gilman, also co-owner of Trouble Bar in Kentucky and a very, very close, lovely thousand-year friendship friend from New York, and um, I can't wait for us to spill some whiskey and maybe some tea on some of the things that we've done. Um, I, as you know, I'm here in Yucca Valley holding it down. It's been very cold and gloomy. We need a a humidifier also. (laughs) It's so dry. It's so dry. Even the coyote who was walking across the, the street the other day was all panting it was, it was just it's just too dry Did so, or what? I, I, you know what we have a lot of coyotes and it's just too dry for everybody right, right now right now um that's me uh karen how how's it going there in your uh this is bar situation in san francisco your what's going shop. on i wish it was a bar but this motherfucker <laughs> place closed <laughs> Everything is closed. <laughs> How are you holding up over there? It's fine. I mean, I wasn't going out anywhere anyways. Right. <laughs> and I, I did that. all my Christmas shopping online. You ladies got your Christmas gifts very early. Oh, we did. The <laughs> way. <laughs> Had to do some investigative work. Yeah. <laughs> Myers. <laughs> I was like, I was just looking at this online. Why is it now in my house? <laughs> And I got um, what was it called? A sparkling uh, wine with carbonation. Spark, yeah, carbonated wine. Carbonated wine. <laughs> Laker, Laker, twenty twenty uh, championship carbonated wine from the Lakers. Yeah. A, Keep it bougie on a budget, you know. What I, mean? <laughs> I loved it. It was awesome. It came in like this gold um, uh, bottle with the Lakers twenty twenty. I mean, it's just you know, it's going to be collectors whether. Yeah. The wine is good or not, what have you. It's like an awesome bottle, and that was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Welcome, welcome. Yes. Kendall, you are in the distillery there in your mm-hmm. – uh, you're in the bourbon barrels. Um, yeah. If, you, if we get this up on YouTube, you'll be able to see her in the bourbon barrels. How are you holding it down in Utah? Uh, it's dry here also. I'm like that coyote by you. <laughs> it's lotion. I've just been like squirting it on. Um it's good. It's cold and I'm the house is all decorated and getting Christmassy hey. and just working and you know, waiting on my samples to get here. I was right. the hold up folks. <laughs> Somehow the state closest to Kentucky took the longest. Yeah, yeah. Makes total sense. It sounds like collusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wait, is Utah like a prohibition or <laughs> well? Kind of. Hey, maybe. <laughs> they got to triple inspect that. No. All right. <laughs> they might have put an embargo on that. Right. To, 
needed to check out the wet, the the goods. Um, yeah, so we are, like I said, we're super excited about tonight's guests coming on. We all have our whiskey samples. And this came out of the spirit of, you know, we want to support small businesses. And I hit up my friend and I'm like, yo, we need to do a virtual tasting for the podcast. So she, it's late for her, but she's used to it. So she's going to come on in a bit before we bring her on. Um, just some quick house cleaning and updates. Um, make sure you're downloading the Good News Radio and podcast app so you can get all the latest features that are available. Um, and also you can get the premiere of our show and you can get um, you know access to all the amazing shows that are on the Good uh, News Network. And um, yeah, it's free to download and I think they're going to do in-app purchase. So yeah, make sure you go ahead and download that. And then we still do replay on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and other podcast um, players of your choice. So make sure you subscribe and like and review us so that we can get some search engine optimization and people can find us and share us and like us and yada yada. Um, and then of course you can follow us on the hoops talk pod on Twitter and at the hoops talking on Instagram. And we actually had some questions come in that we'll be asking our guest regarding whiskey. So I'm super excited for this episode where, you know, the it's whiskey, women and sports. I think we are the American dream right here, right now. And I can't wait to get started. So we're going to take a quick break and we come back, we're going to bring on our guests. So we'll be right back. And we are back with our special guest, Nicole Stipp. Hi. Hello. Hi. Welcome. You are half of Matson and Gilman and 100% my BFF. (laughs) I mean, I've known you. We've we've done a lot in New York. We've had chili cook-offs and cab rides and yeah yeah drunk I was just talking dressing. I was just talking to someone about like she still lives in New York we founded a nonprofit together and she goes I know we don't talk that much but like I feel like sisterhood with you and I'm like yeah cuz we were in our 20s in New York City it's the trial by fire like it's it's where we all learned how to be like quasi grown ups ish. Yeah, which is funny because I was like thirties and all you were the grown up. I was the yeah. Imagine that I was the grown up. We all aspired to be like you. <laughs> Bad bitches. <laughs> I did. I did things. I did some things. I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with that with New York. Um, But you, so I want, I know we're going to have a virtual uh, whiskey tasting and this is sponsored by Matson and Gilman and also in affiliation with your sister Trouble Bar. Yes. Yes. In Kentucky. And this is something that you're providing as a potential gift, be be it it Mm -hmm. Christmas or holiday or whatever um, and beyond for people that are, you know, want to taste something virtually and you cure what's really what I love about this is that you actually curate it too like each, yeah you know you ask people what they what they're enjoying are they beginners are they more in, intermediate like what are some of the pro, flavor profiles so you could really give them a really curated experience even though you know it's all on zoom so I think yeah. that's really a special touch that you you added to that. Yeah. And I think the, the world of, of whiskey can be super intimidating. It's still, there's still certain parts of it that are really intimidating to me. So I think the more, um, 
that business owners like myself and bar and tavern owners as well can do to sort of open up that table. Um, mm. cause the industry for so long has just been marketed to white men and mm. for bourbon, Midwestern white men specifically, mm. um, <clears throat> like a lot of the tourism, even just the photography just doesn't speak to a lot of the sort of sensibilities of, you know, a lot of like my friends and family who I know would love whiskey, but just don't see themselves in it. So they're like, I don't know. I'm just going to go drink this red <laughs> wine. Cause I know what it is. And I know what, sure. Pinot is, and I know that I like a juicy cat, you know, it's sort of, um, it's not always as welcoming and, mm-hmm. and part of when we opened our tasting room, we curated like 30 whiskey flights and they're all, they're all curated by like style. So, um, if you're a scotch drinker, there's a scotch flight, or if you're scotch curious, there's one of those, um, really as a way to say like everybody Mm -hmm. fits at this table, whiskey is, is older than America. So there's a, there's a sensibility that, um, I think bourbon, especially America's whiskey has the ability to become like mezcal and tequila, right? Like it, mm. it has the ability to be appreciated and embraced by everyone, but it it's, we have to push the edges a little bit because it hasn't opened itself up like that in the past. Right. And so you went to basically to the heart, you have your yeah. journey, <laughs> which I think, I mean, it's so crazy because I've known you from New York, but you were DC, yeah. you know, Indiana, DC, um, Africa, for, uh, for, for some time, minute. yeah, for a minute, uh, New York, and then Kentucky, which is like, woof, okay, that happened. Um, yeah. So your journey is very eclectic in that and what you've done in these places. And now, you know, I know, uh, you know, and I knew about your nonprofit in mm-hmm. New York. Um, and that was, a, that's like the common thread. I think it was that you were wanting to, you know, get these experiences out. And I think in Kentucky in particular, you were like, we're going to turn this place blue. We're going to work on a grassroots yes. level to turn it blue, to bring yes. female ownership, to create yeah. female CEO and businesses. And whiskey was the way in which you approached it. So it's so, it's yeah. like, it's, it's an amazing story. I think about it all the time and I use it as like a role model to like, you know what, um, you don't have to be where someone tells you, you know, you, you go to where you find the space for that you create. Yeah. And I, I think, um, like, I mean, I'm sure every, all of you have spent the, that time in those sort of corporate battlefields or just like the halls of really toxic workplaces. And you just kind of, you, you start to develop some little, like you pick up tools and, and load your tool belt with like, what kind of place am I going to build when I can and if I can. Um, and you know, I love New York. I still love New York city. I loved living there. Um, but so much is already built there. And, um, you know, I'm from the Midwest. So I thought that coming back wasn't going to be like that scary. Um, and it wasn't in certain ways and it was in a lot of other ways that I anticipated, but didn't, but we could have never built what we, what we've built here in any other place. And so that's, that has been really fun. Like it has been nice. Um, I think to see the industry starting to recognize like 
the sort of Midwestern family traveling to Kentucky, like that market's tapped. So Mm -hmm. what are you going to do to like make women of color feel welcome here to make Mm -hmm. queer people feel comfortable here? And a lot of that, that starts with people saying it's not comfortable right now. Like every whiskey bar that I went in when I first moved here was every person behind the bar was a dude and not like a man, like a dude. And <laughs> there's a difference. Yes. Y'all know there's a difference. Yes. And like, if you're, if you're curious, like if you're, you know, if you land in Napa and you want to like really learn about why you like cab someone somewhere is going to help you right and that culture was really not as present here as Mm -hmm. I thought it would be I didn't find like a lot of whiskey bartenders who were willing to be like let me hold hold your hand Mm -hmm. like what you're thinking now what you're tasting you know it's like with wine you don't jump into a 1990 Barolo Mm -hmm. when you first drink wine Mm -hmm. um and so uh part of Matson and Gilman was to say like, we got to help people. It's not obvious mm-hmm. that a distillery tour, you don't drink the whole time or it's just, none of that's obvious. So Matson and Gilman just really started with like us knowing how we wanted to travel mm-hmm. and assuming that other people wanted to travel that way. Um, and then trying to build a, a business out of it. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> and so far it's going okay. <laughs> I think so. Um, well, we want to hear more as you're, as we're talking about your journey, I think yeah. we should start our virtual tasting journey yes. Uh, yes, yes, in yes. parallel. So yes. um, why don't we start? Okay. So for, I, I've posted, we've posted a lot of these pictures, but you know, we've gotten four samples, four vials yes. and a, um, you know, a little water dropper and yep. then a little cup that we've put some ice, but you can drink it with yep. or without ice. So yeah, what is like? What is our first sample here? It's also the one that's the most light in yes, color. Yeah. So what are so we doing that, here? So we're, the first one we're starting with is Glen Morangy. Okay. This is a scotch. Um, and I'm actually really excited to start with this one. I know okay. that there are some scotch and Japanese whiskey drinkers. And mm. Japanese and scotch whiskey are very similar. They're single malt. Um, and I picked this particular scotch mm. because... I think there's a lot of misconception about scotch in in general. Um, And I was one of those people who did not think I could ever drink scotch because it tastes like feet. Um, But the... You know, I mean, okay, wait, do we, so <laughs> as you're going, so should we smell it? Are there things yeah. we should be doing with the vial? Yeah. Like, so let's, so let's start with your, whatever you're drinking out of. So if right. it's with okay. the ice, but it's right. not, right. if yeah. you still have it in the vial, one of the yes. first things you want to do is look at the color. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have something white behind you, like if you're like, I can't really tell what color it is because it's dark where I am or I'm looking right. at it on a bar. If you just slide something white behind it, it'll start, okay. you'll be able to see the color. I'm doing that with my screen because I have like a white. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. See, there you yeah. go. There there you go. go. Very, it's very yeah. pale. It's very. It's super light. Yeah. Yes. Whenever okay. you're in, whenever you're in a blind, like a blind tasting, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. A, a super 
light straw color is usually mm-hmm. a giveaway that it's a Japanese whiskey or, um, oh, or a okay. Scotch whiskey. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And some of that's just because of barrel age and that single malt whiskeys just don't pick up as much color from the barrel as like a corn or a rye based whiskey, oh, which is what okay. most American whiskeys are. Okay. Yeah. So then we just want to pour it on our ice or neat. Yes. Yeah, however, neat, we do however, however you're going to have it. Pour mine a little bit. Should we pour the whole thing or just like a little tasting? I'm going to do so, a little taste. I would, yeah. And we'll talk about like how to taste. Um, okay. So one of the things that is helpful. <laughs> oh, oh, that was, I don't know. You can't see my face, but I was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> That's so, got a nose so, on it. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually really helpful because I find that okay. um, like whenever you're nosing whiskey. So a lot of times um, if you nose with your mouth open, So move the glass just kind of like under and smell because okay, like if you think about wine, right? Wine is typically 12 to maybe 15%, you know, ABV. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're drinking heavy duty, we're starting at 46%. Okay. ABV. Wow. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go dance with the coyotes after this. <laughs> yep, running in the mountains. <laughs> you know, be howling with them, He's scrapping yeah. with a cactus later. Yep. Okay. Yep. More. And and one of the so so a lot of times people will will smell and um and taste whiskey and they'll just say like oh it's just too hot like it's just hot I feel it in my sinuses and that means that like your body's functioning in the correct way because okay. it's basically okay. your palate which is like your nose and your mouth Mm. um is reacting to the proof so i'm going to give you guys some tips of like how to get around proof a little bit um so when you nose it nose with your mouth open um a fun fact for you uh if you were born with a uterus you were also born with extra taste buds and extra receptors in your nose oh yeah, and there's some like you know deep. That's why we're better cooks. <laughs> yeah, better cooks. You know, we were the first line of defense most times, so that was where a lot of that comes from, evolutionarily speaking. But, um, and we can talk about like. I'm sorry uh, to sip mine because my ice is melting. Cheater. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, 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 sipping. Okay, so sorry. take sorry. so like in okay. a classic Ooh, tasting. Yes. Take one little sip, and what that's going to do is like let your body know we're here to play. We're drinking some stuff. Don't worry. It's not jet fuel. Right. And it's just going to kind of like numb, essentially numb your palate. Mm. Then we're going to take one bigger sip. And after you swallow, I want you to all just exhale and just take like a big breath out. And what you're doing is kind of getting all Mm. that ABV, all that proof out of its like, because it gets chopped right here. Okay. You want to get it out. And that'll make it. Those two things alone will, will make, make sampling whiskey a much more enjoyable. Okay, I've I, I got to say it's already more enjoyable because normally when I'll <laughs> yeah. sip, I'll take the sip and I immediately close my mouth, clamp down super hard and yes. like, like yeah. grimace. Yeah. Yeah. It all like, I'm just like shots like it's college. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, because oh. you're like, I just can't leave this sitting here on the bar by itself. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, it's such a great experience. I already, I mean, yeah. I'm 
I'm really enjoying this. Okay. Yeah. And if you do that over and over again, you'll, you'll sort of get used to like just putting more oxygen in your palate while you taste mm-hmm. and that'll just make tasting easier. Um, like we'll go to barrel picks a lot and you'll, you know, you'll pull right out of the barrel and put it in a cup and taste it, which could be like 140 proof depending on what we see it is. And you can either cut that Don Draper proof. <laughs> that's like I'm not coming home from lunch proof no. um, and it'll it'll but I think what's interesting is like this to me is the perfect example of like why whiskey can be so intimidating because right. it's not friendly up front um and like one one of the things um and while you guys sip this like <clears throat> when we talk about this is called Nectar d'Or, um, and this is a Glen Morangy Scotch that, uh, after it's aged, it goes into Sauterne barrels, um, and specifically Chateau oh, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, and and if you know Sauterne or like yep. you know really nice um, kind of after dinner wines, Chateau Kim is like you know, the finest one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives it that like honey and the kind of heavy mouthfeel, mm. yeah. yeah. which you'll get in the next whiskey that we're trying to, but it's just a little bit more friendly. Mm. Um, I do like this. Yeah. 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 And it's not peated. So you mm. shouldn't, you shouldn't get, yeah, you shouldn't get any of the kind of like scotch notes that people think of a lot um Mm. and i would say if you're someone who likes japanese whiskey you're already you're already someone who likes non-peated single malts okay okay um and there's just a wild amazing world the balvini the mccallan of non-peated scotches and scotch is beautiful it's it's aged for a really long Mm. time it's delicious whiskey Mm. um and japanese is really japanese whiskey is really made the same vein okay take a single malt age it blend it mm. so on and mm. so forth okay oh, i like this okay and yeah, that this is a good one yeah that's a good and the whole way to taste it mm-hmm. just made it much more enjoyable so that already was good you always get that at least i do i don't know because i've been doing it wrong but you get that burning sensation yeah in your chest and that i definitely did not get that at all with the whole mm exhaling and all of that like it was just like I was drinking water it was nice (laughs) yeah when I when I first moved here and started like going to whiskey classes and trying to like learn you know about my own palate because all of our palates are different right I have a a woman who works in my bar whose parents are Indian American and her like her tasting notes are just completely different than mine um Mm. like she picks up things from like spices that she smelled growing up and you know like we all have those those little touch points so like you might all be drinking the same whiskey and tasting completely different notes Mm. um and I think that's awesome like that's so interesting yeah and a lot of times you'll go to tastings or you'll hear people say like oh you should be getting vanilla now or you should be getting um Mm. caramel um and uh, like there's one person in the whiskey industry who always talks about marzipan i'm like man marzipan i mean like i know what different kinds of marzipan is like right. great british bake-off it's this thing right like, in my like spanish 101 class in high school it was like those little cookie things like it's what marzipan are we talking about sure, um, sure. <laughs> so, so like when i when i taste with people i try not to be like okay so did you get the honey on that right. one are those like yeah. Okay. okay right. Good, sure. Right. Um, right. Cause it's just, you're, you're not going to taste the same things I am. Like if right. you had a certain kind of coffee in the morning, you're going to taste something different. Sure. So don't get, don't be dissuaded by like, 
if you read a review of a whiskey and it's like tobacco and leather and hay, because you might not taste any of those things. Mm. Um, and, and it could still hay be is not one that I'm like, Who wants hey, hay? does this have hay? Please, hay. let's do it. <laughs> I really want to taste a barn floor. Right? So good. Okay, so uh, so should we move to sample two? I'm yeah, excited. so we're going to move to sample two. Okay, um, I'm going to look at the color. Yeah. Which is yeah, much darker like, than the first one. To, to Super. Oh yeah. Do we need to clean? So yeah. you, so with hyper spirits, you don't really need to clean, clean it. Okay. I would dump it. I would dump it. If you have like a bunch of whiskey still in the glass, go ahead and dump that. Oh, I, I drink it. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I drink it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little bit of water is not going to hurt anybody. Okay. Um, so the next sample that we're having is old forester 1910. Okay. Well, and you're wearing the sweatshirt. Yeah, the I sweatshirt. am. Okay. It's the, it's the most comfortable sweatshirt I own. Um, okay. and yeah, so this is old folk <clears throat> and I had never heard of old folk before I moved to, to Louisville. So, um, old forester is kind of like Louisville's hometown whiskey. And it's like the stuff that you, that's in every well, um, and the bottles, like the normal Oatful bottles, don't look like this. This is a special series called Whiskey Oh, Row. okay. Yeah, um, which they released a few years ago. And so there's 1910, 1920, Bottled and Bond, this whole series that you can drink through. That's essentially Old Forester picking like their honey barrels and the barrels mm -hmm. that have like, th that they think have aged really well. Now... One of the things about 1910 that I personally love, and I'll be interested as you guys taste through this, <clears throat> the mouthfeel on this should be really interesting versus the scotch. Okay. So when okay. we say mouthfeel, we're talking about like when you take that sip or you let it sit in your mouth just a second before you swallow it, how does it feel? And does anything stay left behind? So not dissimilar from drinking wine. Like, um, you know, is it silky? Is it heavy? Is it light? Um, you know, does it pass through pretty quickly? What do you I guys feel think? like? It's a little heavier and on the back end for me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So part mm. of it is because this whiskey um, pays this bourbon pays mm. homage to a big fire uh, that happened in 1910, okay. and <clears throat> they had all this whiskey aging in barrels. There was a fire and they were like, the only way to save this whiskey is to crack open all the barrels and try and get it into new barrels and get it off the site. So this was the first time that any American bourbon had been what we call double oaked. So now this is fair. This is very common. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit when we get to barrel Armida, the last sample. Mm -hmm. um, but like taking bourbon and putting it in another barrel, one, usually makes it not bourbon anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but it was pretty rare for a while. It's super expensive to use two barrels for one bourbon. Mm. Um, but as bourbon's like grown in popularity and made these companies more money, mm. they're like, we can experiment a little bit. Got it. So Got it. Um, if you've ever seen Woodford double oaked, mm -hmm. pretty, pretty famous double oaked bourbon, um, Old Forester 1910 follows in those footsteps. Got it. So it's going to be bourbon that goes into mm. a brand new barrel. Mm -hmm. And when it hits that brand new barrel, it's the first thing it does mm. is soak in all that wood sugar all over again. Oh, okay. And that's what makes that super hefty mm -hmm. kind of back of palate feel mm -hmm. is that it got all that wood sugar again. Got it. And so, this is a great one for, for gifting, but also just if you're new to bourbon, this is a great one to start with, with some ice and some water. That's what I was going to ask you. So what is like the worst 
uh, whiskey or bourbon that you could drink to say, I will never be able to have that again? Is there like a, a brand or, you know, I mean, cause like yes. some of the questions were around like, what is a bourbon that's going to make me, or what is a whiskey that's going to make me like whiskey? Because so many people have had the experience where, you know, you're just like, I not going to do that to my body again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had that with, with bullet. Um, bullet okay. is uh, a super high rye bourbon, okay. All right. which is great for bartenders. Uh, rye is what really gives a bourbon or a whiskey a spiciness. Okay. Um, not everybody's palate tastes the spiciness with rye. Some people are very rye disposed. Our mm-hmm. mutual friend, Dan Udell mm-hmm. can al- almost exclusively drinks rye. Yeah. So if you have like a palate that really likes bitter things or spicy things, sometimes you're just more, you find rye a little bit easier to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was trying to learn how to make old fashions and a friend of mine brought over bullet bourbon and rye, um, which are everywhere. And of course, a lot of people, that's their first exposure to, to American bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just blew my face off. Like I remember my face getting bright red, the tear ducts opened up the whole burn in the chest. And I was like, I'm moving to Kentucky in like six months. And like, I don't think I can drink whiskey. <laughs> Like, this is a problem. Um, yes. <laughs> it's problematic. Um, so there are there are things out there that can um, really catch you. If you have never, if your only exposure to whiskey is like Irish whiskey, then um, I would- speak bad about that Catholic whiskey. Uh, listen, where's <laughs> the Jameson? I got the four roses right over there. There's the Jameson. Um, but like, if that's like the whiskey that you've had, you're mm. used to like a light- vanilla caramely whiskey and drinking something with a lot of rye is going to completely turn you off. Mm. So look for weeded bourbons, look for low proof. Um, okay. cause most, most Irish whiskey is going to be less than 86 proof. Most American bourbon has to start at 84 proof. Wow. Um, so, you know, look for stuff that's a little bit lower proof, look for weeded bourbons, which are, which are everywhere in the market right now. Mm. Um, look for bourbons that have been like aged in another barrel. Mm -hmm. So Angel's Mm -hmm. Envy, Jefferson's, Mm. those are just going to have like smoother edges and they won't be as hot and as intense Mm -hmm. as like the last two things we're going to get to on, Mm. on this tasting are going to be high proof. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and a little bit heavier on the, um, the complexity and the heat of the whiskey. And then what would you say is a good price point to start in, you know, because should I get like, you know, a $5 bottle of hooch or you know, should I try to go a little deeper in my pocket so I don't kill myself? Like what are, what are we looking at? Yeah, I would say if you can find, um, I mean, first of all, if you have a local, liquor store or watering hole that you, you know, can find yourself in. I mean, I know right now nobody can go to a bar, but, um, if you can, if you have a place where you feel comfortable, um, try and get samples. Like a lot of times, Okay. I mean, again, right now it's a little weird. Um, but like when trouble bar was open, I mean, we would have reps in like once every other week, just pouring samples mm-hmm. for people. So if you can sample stuff, try that. Um, right. especially with spirits right now, like 
they're going to need such a boost because people don't drink as much at home as they do when they go out. So a lot of brands are really trying to figure out like, how do we- Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who are these people? My shelf is so empty. Um, (laughs) But uh, like my shelf with like two giant liter bottles of bourbon on it. Um, but, But if you can find a place where you can sample things, do so. Um, and just start with like 20 to $25 bottles. So four roses, maker's mark. I mean, this changes per market. Like you might have like, you know, makers and old forester might not be where you are, but try the less expensive stuff. And then if you have a really good liquor store, say, uh, you really liked regular maker's mark, ask them what, what the step up is. And even try and keep it in the same family. Like Maker's Mark has Maker's 46 and they have private barrel selections and cast strength. Because if you find something that you like, try and find the like platinum versions of it. Um, Got it. Is that like, I know like Johnny Walker is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of step ups because they have the red label, the blue label, Mm -hmm. gold label, black label. So there's all those stepping up with Johnny Walker. I mean, it's a man walking. (laughs) So I recall it. Yeah. Taking yeah. steps. Yeah. So impressive. <laughs> it would be like, man, man is walking. So impressive. He doesn't even spill his drink. <laughs> yeah. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. 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 But there's like, there are like stepping stones. So, um, you know, like a lot of times I tell people to, when I do tastings for them, um, I'll say like, what, what do you like about this whiskey that's sitting in front of you? Mm. If you really like, old forester 1910 because you're like it's just so easy to drink Mm. then like we're just going to drink barrel finished bourbons together so you know there's and there's a whole family of those um but if you can find like a good bartender or good liquor store nearby Mm. or even just get used to reading um you know whiskey reviews if you know Mm. like i really like weeded bourbons um, so Larceny, Maker's Mark, you have high wheat in their mash bill, which just makes them easier, sweeter whiskeys to drink. Mm-hmm. And if you like those, tell your liquor store, I really like these. Mm-hmm. What do you have that's like that? Um, and hopefully you'll be able to find someone who can help. If not, just Google it. Right. If you like weeded whiskeys, Google right. which weeded whiskeys are in your, are in right. your area. Because so it does almost, change a lot. I mean, I'm getting the sense that you know, we, we need to also change the perception to it being more like a wine type of drink as opposed to just, I'm going to, you know, slam some, some yeah. shots. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, I gotta get my night going. <laughs> sure. Shots are good. Shots are good. Uh, you know, whenever you need them, they're there for you. They're fairly right. easy. Right. Um, but like one of the things, so I want you guys to to pour the next okay. the next pick because okay. this is going to kind of help um, explain a little bit um, about that like step up mm-hmm. um, because for some whiskeys it's not um, you're not stepping up to like a different style you're just stepping mm-hmm. up to like a more robust version. I'm yeah, actually so this, into the smell of this yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, so this is um, Maker's Forty Six um, and this is a private selection that just came out. Uh, on Giving Tuesday. And so a little background on Maker's Mark. Or let me give you background on this, then we'll talk Maker's, the home of the first woman badass in the bourbon industry. So uh, Maker's has all of these bottles of Maker's 46 that restaurants and bars can buy private barrels and they can say, you know, this is Trouble Bar's barrel and I um, am going to blend it with you. 
So me and Maker's Mark come together. We blend this bottle, or uh, we blend this barrel, we bottle it, and then I sell it at my bar. So this has been happening like across the U.S. for years. And this year, uh, because there's been such widespread, um, you know, pain and suffering and unemployment among restaurant and bar workers, they wanted to donate a barrel and call it the community batch. And what they did was take all these barrels from all these different restaurant accounts and blended it into 7,500 bottles Mm. that are being sold. Um, There's like a, there's some in LA, Chicago, New York, Mm -hmm. um, Kentucky to raise funds for restaurant relief. Um, And it's super inspiring. Yeah. But the the beneficiary of this is called the Lee Initiative. And if you sort of watch Celebrity Chefs or you kind of enjoy mm-hmm. that world, you know who mm-hmm. Chef Ed Lee is. Yes. Um, and he lives in yeah. Louisville. His, mm-hmm. his flagship restaurant is here. He was um, in Top Chef. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's like a great, um, you know, he's like a local hometown hero. Uh, mm-hmm. And he wanted to start a nonprofit that, that sort of gave women ladders up through the kitchen to chef and ownership roles. Um, and Maker's Mark was like, we are here with that. So that's where all the funding goes. And then they disperse it to restaurants and bars across mm-hmm. the country to help them put chefs and restaurant workers back to work. So that's a super cool thing. Mm-hmm. This bottle, super special. There's only 7,500 of them in the U.S. Half of them, I think, are already sold. Um, so, and we so, got a sample. Yeah, so that's awesome. Okay. So really quick on this one, I feel the heat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got the heat on this one, but because of the, you know, new way of experiencing it where I'm opening my mouth, I'm not Mm -hmm. like cringing or having like gagging reflex. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, cause it can be like, wow. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like right behind, right behind the tongue. Like right there. We just took a 14 step proof increase. So we oh, went from okay. 93 to 107. Yeah. So that's where, Whoa. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. but at the same time, I don't feel as blanketed as the forester. You know, yeah. it just kind of like opened up real nice. Yeah. Like and this it. is like a classic bourbon, right? Like this is okay. Maker's Mark is like, you know, the if you think about American bourbons, you think of Maker's Mark. Um and Makers 46 is kind of like that, like when I'm talking about going from like, I liked this, what can I do? What's the platinum version of that? Makers right. 46 is that like second base mm-hmm. from Makers. Mm-hmm. Um, it sees mm-hmm. some extra barrels. There's some extra coop that goes in, cooperage that goes against that whiskey, mm-hmm. um, which is mm-hmm. what gives it some of those sweetness and a little bit mm-hmm. creaminess. Mm-hmm. But if you're ever somewhere and you're like, what's your most special bottle? liquor store, restaurant, mm. whatever. If they have their own maker's private select, that's what I recommend getting. Okay. That's good because to know. those private selects are not available anywhere else. Okay. So okay. if you go to like, I'm trying to think of the big whisk, seven grand in LA, um, they have multiple barrels of maker's mark and you can just buy a bottle of it and you can't get that anywhere okay. else. Nobody else can try it, and it's probably going to be seventy dollars, like maybe seventy dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's not a it's not a crazy expensive whiskey. If you're someone who chases like 
hard to find whiskeys. That's nothing. I mean, that's, that's nothing in that world. Um, but no one will ever be able to taste it. Hmm. So this is one of my favorites. Now let's talk about Margie Samuels. My queen. <laughs> I mean, when I heard this story, I was like, okay, I'm here for life. I'm okay. I'm, I'm down. It, she's like one of those people who you hear about and you're like, okay, this industry isn't as backward as I thought it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Samuels family is who owns Maker's Mark. Okay. Super long history in Kentucky, like, you know, been making corn whiskey since it was illegal. Right. And um, at one point they were like, our whiskey's kind of trash. So we're going to go be bankers now. Um, And they just like went and, you know, uh, he was like, I'm a banker now. I'm going to make a bajillion dollars in this little Kentucky town. And then at some point in the 50s, after he had this whole brood of children and this very posh for Kentucky life, he was like, guess what? I hate this. I want to go make whiskey again. And Margie, his wife, was like, you can't make that bad whiskey because I have Mm -hmm. a reputation. (laughs) I mean, like, think about like 50s house. Like that was, you know, that was like the era that we're talking about. And it's, you know. And it was very clear that if they were going to do it, it was, they were going to do it together Mm. and it could not fail. Mm. And so Marge was like, I'm going to do all the branding. So the whole wax dip, like that thing that is super recognizable, that was Margie's idea. The name Maker's Mark. Because the, their their family brand had been called like T.W. Samuels for decades. She was like, okay. we're not doing that. That stuff, one, disgusting whiskey. Two, <laughs> it's, it's not special. Like, who cares? <laughs> and so she was like, I want to call it Maker's Mark after like she collected like China and pewter and whatever, you know, like mm. ladies of the 50s did. And everything had like a mark on the back. Okay. You know, so it had like an, like an initial. She yeah. was like, we should call our whiskey Maker's Mark because right. we want it to be about fascinating the people who made it so all of it she was like the first don draper i mean like no one no one marketed spirits in the no one marketed bourbon in the 50s at all right (laughs) right well and also i mean she's like i've never heard of her and i feel like we should yeah yeah she's so she was the first woman ever inducted into the whiskey hall of fame so when that was she the first and the only or are there more now there are more now (laughs) Okay. <laughs> there are some ladies who've been in this industry since the eighties who are like, give me my receipts right now. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they, so now like two or three women get inducted every year. Um, oh, good. So, but she was the first mm-hmm. and she was um, inducted posthumously. like posthumously. She was dead. Mm-hmm. She has no idea that she's in the oh. bourbon hall of fame. Um, but her legacy, I mean, she, she was the first person to have the idea of like, people should come visit a distillery. Mm-hmm. No one mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. They're, fa- I mean, mm-hmm. they're factories. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had like every building painted mm-hmm. black because, um, making whiskey creates right. a black mold mm-hmm. and so it's super ugly. Like it, it looks like mm-hmm. somebody like spray painted black stuff all over your buildings. Mm-hmm. So, and she laid out the distillery grounds with like this big, beautiful house on the hill that looked mm-hmm. down into. So she mm-hmm. just, her, her contribution to Maker's Mark was one, she built it as a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she was clearly her husband's partner in business mm-hmm. and otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sons now run the company. Wow. And they really started to pay homage to like mm-hmm. her legacy. So every year for International Women's Day, they have Margie's Brunch where a Mm. select amount of like women in the restaurant and bar industry come together, Mm. like listen to stories about Margie. They all inscribe Mm. bottles to each other. So it's real. She's really special. Mm. Um, Mm. And it's more special that makers has like embraced her legacy. Right. Um, Cause it's only recent. Like when I first Mm. moved here, nobody knew, I didn't know who she was and makers Mark didn't talk about her. Mm. Um, Mm. Now you go on the tour and there's this like, beautiful painting of her in front of her Mm. like bourbon hall of fame statue Mm. so it has in at least to me made me a much bigger brand fan Mm. um okay because i think it's you know it's not like women just started working at whiskey like right like everything um (laughs) we've always been being here Um, right right yeah kind of (laughs) <laughs> I know it's like uh like if you look at old pictures of bottling lines it, only women worked mm. there and mm. you meet like old factory people and they're like yeah well women were the only ones who could like snatch bottles fast enough <laughs> you know like like they just they just worked they went right. to work and they right. worked um right. but there were like laws in Kentucky that prevented women from working in distilleries mm. like in like where the mash and everything is made um up until like the 60s or 70s. It was probably because of their period would make the mash weird or something, you know, right. menstruation is not good with, you know, for, for whiskey or something like that. Yeah. yeah some old <laughs> it's usually the tale. default. Isn't that like why bears come <laughs> <laughs> to the, to the office? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. As we're going and we're, we're going to do our last tasting though, but you know, yeah. when you talk about Margie, you talking about all the trailblazing that she did. Um, I think something that we're also curious about is um, you've actually created, I mean, I I, I say this because, you know, in Napa, they have the, the trail, like you just, you know, there's like one, there's two main roads and you drive up and down and you get Napa, Healdsburg, um, you know, all the way to Calistoga. Yeah. So I remember you kind of saying that there really is no, because there all these different distilleries are so far out from one another. There's no real yeah. connection. And so one of your goals with Matson and Gilman was to try to make that connection and try to also curate a, a trip, you know? So if someone flew yeah. out to Kentucky to do it, like the bourbon trail, let's say, which is actually not like this winding easy road, more yeah. like thorny bush rattled like fallen tree situation so that was one of your goals can you tell us a little as we're we're gonna start doing the sniffing and everything of this one as we're doing that can you tell us a little bit more like how did you connect those dots so that the that could exist yeah yeah and some of it was um it was a little bit of a shock to us honestly because I was like the easiest way to to make tourism grow is to make tourism easy um but one of the things that we've that we try and do when we plan trips is the first thing we ask people is how long do you want to be in the car? Because okay. if you don't want to be in the car that much, um, there's only a hand, there's only a handful of places that we can take you that are distilleries. Um, because like Maker's Mark, for example, is one of my favorite distilleries to take people to. It's the first place I take my friends when they come to visit. It is an hour and a half drive away from Louisville. 
And it's not like a speedy, you know, down the interstate, get off. And then there it is. It's like 45 minutes in the haulers until you get to the right road. So one of the things that we do is we try and plan trips in a way, or we like move you through certain places. So maybe you drive for 45 minutes to this distillery, visit, drive a little bit further, have lunch at this distillery, do a tape. You know, we try and make that the hard part a little bit easier um, just by knowing like how long it takes to get places and where you can eat and where you can't eat where you can have a cocktail or where they're just going to serve you a couple shots at your, um, at the end of your tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spend a lot of time kind of understanding the guest experience. And then when you come to Madsen and Gilman, we try and understand you as a guest so that we can give you the best experience. Um, because a lot of what the tourism looks like here now is very, um, you know, get on a bus, go to these three places, get back on the bus, maybe with strangers, maybe it's your private bus, right. depends. Um, and then you go back. We try and start at, what kind of day do you want to have? Do you just want to get mm. super hammered before noon? Cause that's, a, wow. and that's fine, but that's like a really specific set of distilleries <laughs> we need to go to. <laughs> um, so, or if you want to like, like we have, I mean, we have people who bring their, like their employees. Like one of our okay. biggest trips last year was like a guy who I think it was like their 10 year anniversary of the company. So he had like old employees come in and he just treated everybody to like that Kentucky experience. They went to a horse Mm -hmm. farm. They had a, um, you know, like we did tastings on the bus Mm -hmm. as we drove through and like tried to move between distilleries. But Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that has been really great in Mm -hmm. Louisville is our downtown area really transforming into, um, I think mm. what they're calling whiskey row. So now okay. if you're in Louisville, you can start mm. at like angels envy and walk down main street and oh, see cool. five to six distilleries. Yeah. That's so cool. it's, people are getting a little bit more hip to the idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people are opening more food and beverage experiences at distilleries. Mm. So if you've mm. been to Napa, that's like, Y'all are just now figuring that out. You know, like you have your wine, you have your cheese, you have your dinner. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's like all, you know, they want to keep you there as long as possible Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. at distilleries, you're dealing with distilled spirits and Mm -hmm. super Patricia, you know, like super old school liquor laws in Kentucky. They're like, Mm -hmm. you can have two ounces total. That's it. And then get on your bus and get out of here. I mean, it was like the second year I was here where I was like, I'm running out of ways for people to have a good time at your distillery. Like they can only have two ounces. Um, and that's just like the way the laws were written. And then like, you know, finally someone said, let these distilleries sell cocktails at least so that they have enough money to open restaurants and do that whole experience. Right. Right. So that has started to change, which has been great for us. Um, and great, mm-hmm. I think, for travelers to mm-hmm. say, like, I can spend an afternoon at Maker's mm-hmm. Mark or Will It and have a beautiful dinner and have this tour. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And, you know, so that 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 has been an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And I, I do hope that Matt and Gilman bringing in, like, you know, a certain kind of traveler. 90% of our clients want to only have private tours and they'll pay as much money as like, they don't care how much yeah. it costs. So yeah. I think we've been able to kind of like 
provide that conversation to distilleries who were like, I don't know, does that traveler really exist? And we're like, yeah, mm, yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah. They're in our yeah. inbox. They yeah. do. Mm-hmm. They want to stay exactly. at Airbnb yeah. and they want a private tour and they want to meet yeah. a master distiller and they don't yeah. care how much it costs. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So I just, so I just faced this one, this last one. Yes. And, uh, yes. It's a whole lot. Yeah. This one is the whole lot. This yes. is like, yeah, we can get fucked up. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So this is barrel. Um, and this is a blend called Armida. And, um, <laughs> uh-huh. this one is like, Ooh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It is barrel proof. It is barrel proof. Devil wears product is your boss right yes. here. <laughs> yep. Yep. So we, we just went up to 112 proof. So we jumped about five more points from where we were. So, um, one of the things about, (laughs) yeah. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I brought this was because I think, um, there's one, one of the best ways to enjoy whiskey is cold. Um, which is why like cocktails are so whiskey cocktails are so have blown up so much is because, a lot of times whiskey and spirits in general are enjoyable when they're cold. And I think that's like an American mm. thing. Like we like mm. things cold mm. or hot. Mm. So we put ice in things and blah, blah, blah. So barrel doesn't distill a single drop of whiskey. They mm. go out, buy whiskey, buy barrels of whiskey, and they blend them. So mm. they sort of take like the scotch practice, mm. of like go out, grab all these different barrels, blend them into something cool and interesting. Um, but barrel just like levels it up. They're like, okay, we blended these 10 Tennessee whiskey barrels. Now let's put them in a pear brandy cask. Just like see what happens, mm-hmm. which is what Armida is. Armida went into mm-hmm. a pear brandy cask. Um, it is Tennessee whiskey uh, yeah. in this, in this blend. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that extra aging, mm. all those extra barrels, all that extra like spirit that that this whiskey touches is what makes barrel products so interesting to me. Everyone is totally different. They don't care about one bottle tasting different from the next. Um, they are one of my favorite just like companies um, mm. because they're they're like we don't care about consistency we think if we just keep putting out good whiskey we'll be fine every year they win like 30 medals at the spirits competitions Mm. um once they put things out into the market they usually get snapped up like that this armita bottle i think sold out in like two days so it's not in the market anymore um Mm -hmm. and they're just really they're making whiskey and bourbon in such a different way Mm. Um, mm. that I think they're just really interesting. They hired, mm. um, at least for me, I mean, I haven't lived in Louisville my whole life, but mm. one of the first very out invisible kind of queer restaurant, uh, people, um, led a beverage program at one of our like highest end gourmet restaurants here mm. in town. And they hired her uh, mm. about a year ago, um, to be their sort of sales and, Mm. blending person and they just promoted her to Mm. assistant blender wow 
And at wow. a distillery that only blends, mm-hmm. um, that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things along with representation and storytelling of, mm-hmm. of women um, is that, you know, there are queer and trans and black mm-hmm. and brown people all throughout this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and lifting them up is really important to me, just, you know, as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really important as if bourbon and American whiskey wants to grow is to say, right. like, you know, it's not right. just these five old white men with beards, right. they're not the only ones <laughs> making whiskey. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I love that. So in the spirit of growth, I think we, we have some questions from our listeners that wanted answers. So maybe you can help us here. Um, So we have Jackie, who is the host of ladies night. It's one of the shows on our good news uh, radio and podcast network. And she's a whiskey drinker. She's like among the group of her friends. She's the whiskey drinker. So she's got a few questions here. Okay. Um, one is what's the best way that you would recommend drinking whiskey? Would you stay clean? Um, a one giant ice cube or mixed? Mm, okay. So I think if you are someone who drinks whiskey, let's say quasi regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I'm a little bit of ice and a little bit of water kind of girl. Okay. okay. And I keep my shelves stocked with a little bit higher proof whiskey because, mm-hmm. um, I can just add my own water instead of the distillery mm-hmm. doing it for me. So, um, if you are a little bit afraid of proof or like mm-hmm. high proof whiskey, um, get you a couple bottles, especially if you know that you like whiskey. Um, right. and then just add your own ice and water make yourself okay. a little whiskey and water at home. Um, okay. I think with whiskey drinking, it's important to like, know, you know, know yourself. Mm-hmm. If you like mm-hmm. cold drinks, mm-hmm. then don't try and drink whiskey neat. Cause it's not going it. be enjoyable. Got if you, it. Yeah. if you like drink big red Barolos at room temperature yeah. or like big juicy Cabernets and you're used to mm-hmm. drinking kind of like mm-hmm. room temperature stuff, then yeah, mm-hmm. like do your whiskey neat. Um, you know, a couple of drops of room temperature water will go a long way if it's like mm. too hot. Mm. Excellent. You know, we, we do have a lot of actual cocktail questions. I think a yeah. lot. And I think that might be um, a way to that a lot of maybe women have introduced whiskey into their you know, um, drinking cycles, if you will, because yeah. they have them in cocktails. My favorite cocktail is a Manhattan. Yeah. I love a Manhattan so much. I make them in batch. Um, I know you bought me uh, some actually really beautiful bottle and bond. I think it was mm-hmm. McAllen. I don't, I don't use that for my cocktail. Just <laughs> make you happy. I don't. <laughs> I sip that with a giant ice cube, but yep. I do use like uh, Four Roses or, you know, uh, that kind of whiskey for my mm-hmm. um, Manhattan. I love Manhattan. Yeah. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of questions about cocktails. One is um, is there a, a favorite mixer? She likes ginger ale. Um, I know you could do um, with uh, so uh, what is it? I do diet coke sometimes. I put whiskey yeah. in the diet coke. Yeah. Um, on the rocks because <laughs> I wanna. Um, so yeah, so just so be that, like that sometimes. I just, I, sometimes <laughs> I just want to be like that. So what, um, and then also DS spider woman 56, I think Kendall might be familiar with Kimberly Freer. Um, also wanted to ask, you know, what, uh, what's a good 
a make at home cocktail when using whiskey. So those are, those are two things like what was a good mixer for whiskey mm-hmm. and then what is a, um, you know, a, a not too sweet uh, whiskey to make a cocktail with. Yeah. So I, um, I'm a big, uh, ginger beer person. Um, okay. I like the, I like the spice. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, in Kentucky, we have a, like a state ginger ale called ale eight. Um, and it's really just kind of a more lemony spicy ginger ale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a little bit more character. It's really nice. So if you're looking for just like something simple and easy, a uh, little ginger beer, ginger ale. I like ginger beer a little bit more cause I like ginger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, just like figure out what it is you like. There's a whole world of like LaCroix, LaCroix, whatever. Um, the dark cherry, some of the, depending mm-hmm. on your preferences okay. that tastes great with whiskey. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're just like getting your palate like if you're just getting on your whiskey palate, like mm-hmm. mix it with mix it with your favorite, like, you know, I mean, maybe not White Claw because you're going to get real shitty, but, um, <laughs> you know, like whatever flavored seltzer yes. you like, um, that's always a nice way to just kind of like cut that whiskey a little bit and add some, mm-hmm. you know, fruit and some carbonation always goes mm-hmm. along the way. If you want to make cocktails at home, um, a Manhattan's great. Uh, it's going to be stronger. Um, so especially if you're someone who's used to drinking, um, you know, either higher proof alcohol or just like more intense, bitter cocktails. Um, if you're somebody who maybe likes a more gentle cocktail, um, you know, it's really easy to whip up an old fashioned at home. You just have a little simple syrup on hand, have some nice bitters. Um, there's a whole line of bitters, um, from Fee Brothers that all have really, distinct intense flavors Mm. so you can get like mexican chocolate you can get black walnut which is really Mm. nice and it takes a little bit more time and you might need to like buy some things for your home bar Mm. um but a little syrup is just you know water and sugar Mm. reduced um and bitters can be a really easy way to kind of um dress up the whiskey a little bit Mm. um and same thing with a Manhattan, you know, you really just need something to stir it with in a, in a mixing glass. So you don't have to, um, create like a whole, you know, home bar equipment right. situation. Right, right, um, right. so yeah, I right. would, there's a really good book called, um, the nine bottle bar. Um, it's not just about whiskey. It's about, um, a whole range of cocktails. I think it's like mm. 150 recipes, but it's a really nice way to like explore, um, you know, what you like. If Mm. you are a margarita drinker or a like sweet drink drinker, Mm. like Mm. you like a sweeter drink, Mm. Mm -hmm. um, find yourself a really good whiskey sour recipe, lemon juice, lime juice. I mean, it's basically a margarita with whiskey. Um, so some syrup, some lemon juice, some lime, you know, use fresh lemon juice, lime juice. You're worth it. Um, (laughs) shake it up (laughs) and pour it on ice. And it's a really nice, um, especially if you're somebody who's like had a lot of vodka and gin cocktails and you're used to that, like lots of Mm -hmm. ingredients, lots of acid drink. A whiskey sour is a good way to kind of gateway drug into, into whiskey cocktails. Mm -hmm. Or if you just know a good bartender, like just ask them to make you a good, a good whiskey. Right. What about a whiskey for a hot toddy? So anytime you're heating it up, so Mm -hmm. mold cider, hot toddy, try and pick a whiskey with a little bit lower proof. So you want to try and get under, 
under a hundred for sure. If you can find something in the eighties or the low nineties proof, that'll make a great hot toddy. Um, if it's too high proof and you add hot water, you're going to get that like cloud mm. of booze vapor and you're not going to be able <laughs> that to skull that cl- the death like skull that comes out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, whatever you're doing, hot toddies. Um, I don't know what's in this person's market, but like makers, Mark old forester, um, you know, even Irish whiskeys make great hot toddies cause they are lower, lower proof. Right. Um, right. but yeah, look for something low for roses. My fav, one good. of my favorites. Will it? Um, and then what is, um, uh, let's see here. Can you suggest a whiskey that I should try and that might change my mind about liking it? Ah, such a good question. Um, mm. I would tell this person to try a weeded, a weeded bourbon. Okay. Um, so Larceny is a, is a great, great gateway bourbon. Okay. It's, um, weeded, it's low proof. Um, mm-hmm. it actually tastes a little bit more like a Jameson or like a, um, okay. red breast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got all that like nice caramel, um, notes to it. I would also think about maybe angels envy, um, mm-hmm. or a Woodford double oaked. Those are going to be a little bit higher cost. So if you can get a sample of it or try and get a pour at a bar, um, those with a little bit of ice will give you the sweetness mm-hmm. of kind of like the 1910 that we had earlier. Mm-hmm. It's that like nice caramel, sugary sweetness mm-hmm. that you get um, from a secondary finish will help make those more approachable. Um, but in the meantime, try Larceny. Um, mm-hmm. Eagle Rare can be a, can be a good entry level because it's kind of a weeded bourbon and then are there sweet or smoky flavored whiskeys um yes so uh most american whiskeys uh cannot add flavoring or color uh, depending okay. on what they want to be called. Um, so Irish and Canadian whiskey can add flavoring. Most um like, like fireball Exactly like Fireball, um, but no shade if you like Fireball shots um, on a Saturday night, for example. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, remember bars and shots and stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see. So yes, I. So like, if you want to be a bourbon or a Tennessee whiskey, you can't add any flavor. Um, so, uh, you can still exist because there's, you know, Jack honey and wild turkey honey. There's all these different flavored whiskeys out there. And, um, you know, as a representative of the bourbon industry, uh, if you're buying something made in Kentucky, we don't care. Thank you Mm. for your money. Um, (laughs) so, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if fireball is like how you figure out how, like how to drink whiskey, then by all means, thank you. I mean, me and Buffalo mm-hmm. Trace are really excited for your money. Um, <laughs> uh, peated, uh, pe- peated American whiskeys are a little bit harder to find. There are some Kings County makes one. Um, but Pete itself is pretty expensive. Um, mm-hmm the system of like making it, you know, like there's a ton of their bogs in Scotland. So that's why they can have peated scotches. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, but you know, I, I think, um, 
make friends with your resident bartenders and liquor store paid or liquor store employees um, because there's always new stuff coming out. I mean, mm. you know, one distillery could be making hundreds of brands. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's sort of like, if you want that red hot honey whiskey from wild Turkey, like, yeah, dude, go get it. Like, <laughs> great. You'll eventually work your way up. I assume to like wild Turkey 81. Um, but but yeah, there's, yeah, there's, and there's a ton of innovation. Like the West coast is really popping off. Um, the Pacific Northwest specifically, um, is doing a ton with like American malt whiskey. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's going to be like the next sort of wave of, it's not flavored, but, um, the next wave of like styles of American whiskey Mm -hmm. is sort of Mm -hmm. moving towards what Scotland makes and what, and what Japan makes. So that'll be interesting. Well, and that. That's actually an excellent segue because someone is asking um, what your favorite Japanese whiskey is. I know what mine is. Mine's a Hibiki 17. I love a 17-year-old whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) You need to finish that sentence a little faster. (laughs) Yamazaki on the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I know. Okay, so there's also like all of this like rumor or hot goss about the Japanese whiskey that they learned how to make the whiskey here. And when prohibition came, they went to Japan and said like, well, we, we don't have that. So they just perfected their whiskey. And so it became even better than Mm -hmm. the whiskey in America. And then um, because they, they were making 17, 21, and like, I think maybe one other year. And then they stopped producing the older years because like, it's going to take us forever to have enough on the market. Um, and so that, and I know like Centauri is a big, um, Mm -hmm. they're a big distributor, a big maker of that. So one, what is your favorite whiskey? And then what is the hot goss that I have on Japanese whiskey? true or fake news um let's see so i uh am not a giant japanese whiskey fan mm-hmm. um i uh i do like toki i like suntory's like sort of basic line um i love a highball um so i fall prey to the to the toki machine here that makes the like you know perfect highball um but i i honestly don't have a great um, palette for malts for single malts. Um, scotch has taken me a really long time to come around to Japanese whiskey is my next project. Um, so I like Nika and I, and I like Suntory. I I like both of them. Um, I usually tend to like the older blended, um, a little bit more than the single malt, um, Japanese whiskey. So I'll have to look, there was a brand that we tried, um, that just came stateside and I want to say it's uh, EJ, but I'm gonna have to look it up and figure out what it is. It's in my tasting notes somewhere. Um, that was actually a super complex whiskey. Didn't have all the like grassy gray notes that I get when I have like Suntory and Toki and some of the younger Mm. Nikas. Um, but your, so part of Japan's history, Mm. um, is one of the main characters um, trained in Scotland. So uh, in like the 20s and the 30s, so some of it's prohibition, but some of it's just looking around and being like, if I'm in Scotland and I'm a Japanese guy, I'm going home. Because like there's Mm -hmm. nothing's going to happen in America for however long 
you know, that's sure. going to last. Um, and Japan and, and Scotland have some similar climate things. Okay. So right. a little bit wet, a little bit sea facing. Yep, yep, um, yep, yep. And that just wasn't the environment that they could apply in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of like the masters um, and mm-hmm. a lot of the, the originators of Japanese whiskey were trained in Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. But like you could say that about basically every whiskey maker, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Scotland really is the homeland of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's some, one of the things that I'm very interested in, and I hope someone's going to start looking into at some point is um, what native and indigenous people were distilling. Cause like hmm. it wasn't not happening. I mean, you know, like <laughs> truth. <laughs> I mean, like they were making tequila for like a bajillion years under different names <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so I'm really, cause like a lot of the storytelling is like these Scottish immigrants came sure. here. These Irish immigrants came here. Of course it's like, you know, these white people came here and like, did this thing. <laughs> right. um, but like, you know, it that can't be the case because like people have been right. distilling around the, you know, since like Egyptian days. Like, Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, and corn being a, a big, you know, mm-hmm. ingredient yeah. was actually oh, yeah. brought from the Native Americans. It was yeah. introduced. So, yeah. 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 And the idea that like these Scottish and like that these colonizers were like, did you know you could distill it instead of letting it rot? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Um, but, but yeah, but there's, there's some like uh, one a single malt whiskey just never really took off in America um, in the early, early days, mostly because um, Seagram's and like the Seagram's family owned so much of the global whiskey trade that they really controlled like consumer taste. And they were in Canada, so they were like, "You consumers are going to drink Canadian effing whiskey." Um, and they and they were also in Nixium, the <laughs> cult. <laughs> it's true. Cult. Oh my god, I know that they're a cult. <laughs> I went to this like with, there's like this like vintage whiskey room, and they like just built it, and I was like walking in, and she's like, "Look at this like old Seagram's bottle." And I was like, "Do you know the Bronfmans are in a cult?" And she was like. <laughs> this is from the early 1900s and I was like but the Bronfmans do you know where they got their money and how they're using it they're in a cult the Nixium cult oh yeah they funded that I'm telling yeah. you that's some crazy people but yeah there they're are many days that I feel very out of place in in Kentucky and sometimes when I'm like screaming about a cult in a like vintage whiskey tasting room I'm like Ooh, always, it in. Yeah, you can always call me about cults. You know, I'm a big fan. looking at them. Yeah, so the secrets people. Yeah, very interesting. I like. I have. Uh, I mean, in going through the different samples, mm-hmm. I would say that it's funny because sample one is probably up there for me, and that was the one you said is closest to the to a Japanese whiskey style. Yes. Yeah. And then um I'm gonna say that um number three, that maker's mark was just my jam. I don't know. What do you what Kendall and Karen, what are you all feeling? What was your takes? 
I think for me, definitely the the Glenmorangie because the mm-hmm. scotch and it was a different kind of scotch, not peaty. Mm-hmm. Definitely was into that. But a new favorite, I think, was definitely the um, Old Folk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, oh, said nice. like a, said like a native Kentucky in there. <laughs> oh, oh, nice, nice. What about you, Kendall? Uh, I'm with Karen. I didn't. I didn't think I would like scotch. I've never really, I don't think I've ever really had scotch, maybe a handful of times. Um, but I really liked the the first one. I liked Old Forester. Mm-hmm. Um, so funny, when I played traveling softball, we would caravan to our tournaments and we had one dad that was just die hard Old Forester. <laughs> like, die hard like every city we stopped in it was a party and he would go to the local liquor store and buy come back with old forester and we'd always make fun of him but now i guess i'm a fan of it so (laughs) now you're gonna be that that, uh sports person you're gonna be that Uh, coach yeah i guess so uh but no i really yeah like i didn't know the scotch that i would like and Mm. yeah the maker's mark was really good too and did our did our um because I know you asked feedback on like what 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 level we were at and what mm-hmm. we liked did that help determine did you like pick one that would maybe is closer to Kendall or closer to me or Karen or were you just all you know what this is, you guys are just so all over the place I'm just gonna pick some <laughs> see what happens <laughs> throw it at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, one of the the only thing that you have to like adhere to in whiskey is sort of like drinking by proof. Um, so you can drink a scotch, you can drink a, a an Irish whiskey, a bourbon, all in one flight, as long as you're sort of um, going up in proof versus starting high and trying to work your way back. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it was fun because I wanted to try and represent like a bunch of different styles, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that there were Scotch and Japanese whiskey drinkers in there, you know, like blended bourbon or blended whiskeys, um, and obviously like finding a Scotch that um, maybe was a little surprising. Um, Glen Morangie, that that specific one. Mm-hmm. So I went back back and forth between that and the Macallan Double Wood, um, mm-hmm. because that Macallan is also non-peated, um, a lot older and very different. But the mm-hmm. Glenmorangie Nectar de Or is nice because it is something that I think people who like American whiskey can appreciate. Mm-hmm. People who drink a lot of Scotch and or Japanese single malts will be like, "Oh, I recognize sure. this palette." Um, but a lot of times people come in and they're just like. I've had Buffalo Trace and I didn't hate it. What should I have? Mm. Um, so uh, a lot of times that's, that's why I'm such a big proponent of like finding bar, like finding bartenders and liquor stores who will kind of help you figure out right. and, and search for your palate. So what I could tell about you guys was that the blended and the scotch or the single malt, which is sort of that mm. family of Japanese and, and scotch whiskey um, would be good. And then I wanted to, to push a little bit on the proof to kind of see if you guys liked something over hundred proof, like our last two samples. Um, if you didn't like, or those two samples weren't your favorite, then, you know, maybe we'll play right. in the lower proof stuff. Um, so every time I do a tasting with people, I try and like make recommendations of like, if you really liked this, go this way right, right. Um, or open this door and like, you know, right. explore finished bourbons, for example. Right. Right. Um, so that's just kind of part of helping people, find their palates and mm. some of that's just tasting a bunch of stuff yeah and like you know if you like that 
Old Forester 1910, then like, you know, get on that Woodford double oak train and go try some Jefferson's mm. Pritchard Hill. Cause that's oh, all man. very similarly um, relate. They're like family right. like cousins essentially. Oh my God. These, I thank you so much. Yeah. Like, so thanks nice. for having me. Oh my God. No, we, I just, I just love that we like, I'm like, we need to do this on the podcast because yeah. Oh yeah. What better thing than, you know, whiskey and women and we're going to talk a little bit of sports after this, but it's just one <laughs> of those things where we're just like, you know, we want to enjoy this as well. And our, and you know, we always on our podcast, we try to, um, you know, have elevate, uh, you know, women in places that you probably, probably aren't the most comfortable in even for ourselves. And I think that this is yeah. so, such a cool, um, you know, way to um, not only support you in your business, which I'm so excited about <laughs> that I that actually we were planning a visit this year. Yeah. So you know yeah. how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, twenty uh, twenty one will be the year that we we get out there, and then hopefully you also come visit me in the desert because you know. Girl, I'm so ready for the desert. My door is always open. You know that <laughs> open invitation. Um, we got we got all the goods here, and I know the Kindle and Karen are like, when can we go get in the cowboy tub and <laughs> sip this? You know, I'll have the scotches ready for all of us. <laughs> um, the girls trip to Kentucky. Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it needs to be done. So. Tell us again to the listeners, what, what is this program? How can they get it? What's the, the website and package and all that good stuff that you're doing um, for holiday and then after mm -hmm. any, anything like that? Yeah. So Matson and Gilman is our concierge service. Um, so that's where we do all of our travel planning. That's where we do private tastings. Um, and this virtual tasting program is really just a kind of extension of our tour services. So you can follow us at Matson Gilman. So M-A-T-S-O-N-G-I-L-M-A-N um, on, you know, all the social medias. And then our sister property, our actual tasting room and tavern is called Trouble Bar. Um, and that's really where we're able to serve up flights and things like that in person. Um, and the virtual tasting kits were um, really just our way of, you know, so few people have been able to travel to Kentucky this mm -hmm. year. Um, and we're constantly, constantly fielding inquiries of people. Oh, he froze. Oh, no. And so this was just for us a way to so say. Go back. Oh. You said, sorry, no, no, just say what you were saying about the um, people couldn't travel. And so this was your way. Yeah. So when, when the pandemic started mm -hmm. um, and people were like canceling their trips left and right, mm -hmm. um, we were getting requests constantly to, to what's the virtual way? To do this, can you send us whiskey? Um, can you send us something uh, so that we can taste along with you? Um, and as the holidays approached, we realized people who would normally be gifting a trip to to Kentucky, which happens a lot in December, we get a lot of like, you know, couples and employers who are like, "I'm bringing my staff on a trip for the holidays." Um, we wanted to try and replicate some of that for people, mm -hmm. um, especially when you know it seems. 
unlikely that people will be able to travel for at least a few more months. So we started in the holidays, but our intention is, you know, if you want to try some Kentucky bourbon in a curated or any whiskey in a curated fashion, um, straight to your doorstep without having to leave home, that's what we're doing for the foreseeable future um, until we can host people here and taste with them in person. Well, we received the package. I mean, we're getting, they're very cool vials. So you have these awesome <laughs> vials. Um, yes. you, you have the the eyedropper or the, the water dropper. You get a little glass. Um, you have the tasting guide, which we have here. And ours came with a wonderful little note about our relationship, me and relationship <laughs> in New York yep. City. So, you know, we, yep. I mean, it is, um, Gosh, what a fantastic product. What a fantastic experience. What a Thank wonderful you. way to really uh, go deep into an American product, uh, you know, in the perspective of women and learn more things. And I mean, not that you're just someone whom I adore. <laughs> And I'm oh, get, um, and I have had a lot of whiskey. And this could go real deep. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> but this is like really great product. This is like amazing gift, and you know I really hope people will try it out. What's it? Do you have like a cutoff date? Like, I mean, it should just be whenever because you got New Year's and everything. Yeah, yeah. FedExed it and got in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. We're. Um, yeah, besides like the holiday shipping things, yeah. you know, if you want to be able to open it on Christmas morning or whatever you celebrate, then, you know, give us a, a week heads up. Um, but yeah. I think we're going to keep running the the virtual tasting program for a few more months. Um, okay. So if you have a birthday in January, February, right. March, and you really want to do a cool whiskey tasting with some friends, like we'll hook you up. There's no okay. end, no end date Perfect. until you can actually... And then do, does everybody have, is it, does it cost more money to have you especially curate it with them? (laughs) I curate all of them. Okay. But like in the room, in the Zoom, is it cost more money to get you in the Zoom? Yeah. So there's like, there's like the basic level. So I'll just send, you know, we'll just send you, you know, a curated selection. It'll come with a letter as well, kind of explaining why we picked what we picked. Um, uh, And then the second level is if you want, you know, a private tasting with, with us. Um, that's a little bit more. And if you want, um, like a cocktail, mm-hmm. that's a different, you know, level. And right. um, we'll send you like a pre-batched cocktail that you can make at home to wow. go along with your tasting. Yeah. It's, so it's like three levels. I love it. I love it. Level <laughs> up, level up with my, uh, I love you. So much. Thank <laughs> you for you doing so this. Much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, please go out and get the product. And um, yeah, have a great holiday. And I'm sure, you know, where you should get my the Christmas card I sent you soon. And um, yeah, it's sent it's in the mail. And uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we are back. And we're feeling toasty oh, warm, yes. <laughs> and a little loose. And I think it's a perfect time for us to uh, have some sports hot takes, I think. Ooh. I know. See, I'm sweating. Hot. I'm sweating. I'm sweating through my Christmas jumper. Poured another glass. <laughs> Prince, I didn't realize that. A Prince Christmas yes, jumper? I'm wearing a Fabulous. Prince Christmas oh, jumper. Beautiful. Yes. Yes, I am. Dearly beloved, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
Um, so um, real quick, we're going to do some hot takes and then I think we are ready to all go to bed because we're whiskey, whiskeyed out. So uh, point guard Palooza went down between the Houston Rockets and the Washington Wizards. So John Wall was sent to Houston to play with Harden and then Westbrook went to the Wizards. And to be quite honest, like, okay, what is that exactly going to do? Pointless trade of all time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, honestly, like, I'm like, what is going to be the freaking difference? <laughs> right. It was just like, if we were doing trades and fancy, it's like, but they score the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, have you starting? Honestly, like, what team right at this point would you rather be on? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, typically, I guess you'd be like, oh, yeah, the, you know, I'd love to go from the Wizards to the Rockets. But now it's kind of like. Well, the hot goss on that is oh, yeah. that Houston is totally toxic. Oh, yeah. They call them as toxic as the Knicks. They're the, oh, South- the hot goss I got was like you know, bloods unite kind of thing. <laughs> Little gangsters really? getting together. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Who? You know? uh, mm-hmm. Like Harden and Wall have gang affiliations. So. <laughs> 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 Blood brothers. Oh, Harden okay. does? Yeah, he. They have <laughs> memes of him holding up fucking gang signs and shit. Oh wow! What? I'll wow. Soft. Well, you know that. Um, so Westbrook showed up to what is it? I wrote it here on the in our notes. Uh, he showed up two hours early to the first Wizards practice because he wanted to set a tone of intensity and discipline. Wow. Okay. Other Two hours that- early. That's you just didn't remember when you were supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, but at least you're two hours early, not late. Quite. <laughs> oh. Other so than Bradley Beal, though, I literally don't know who's on the Wizards. <laughs> I couldn't. I don't either. Like Washington, I have no Washington. idea who their coach is. I, no. I have no idea. Oh wait, it's- Davis Birch- Bertrands, right? That three-point guy. Oh yes, he's That's also it. on the That's wizard. All I know. Well, um, it's also interesting that there is no time. That another hot goss is that there's no um, the the head coach of Houston, Stephen Silas, says there's no timetable for Harden to report into camp, and people are saying he's acting up so he can oh leave. I thought he had he- COVID. He was at little baby's birthday party over the weekend. Yeah, he got COVID. Wait, didn't he give him like a bunch of money? Didn't he give him like a sack of cash? Give him like ridiculous gifts. Wait, but so is that his kid? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to understand. Okay, I don't. If you give someone that those types of gifts, there's a relation or a father, son or lovers or which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's like, that's what you give like an Instagram models, baby that (laughs) helped create sort of. Kind of. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not in the uh, world of how you give gifts. (laughs) <laughs> but that just sounds like, I mean, I love both of you, but I would not give you ca- like I know, a sack yeah. of cash and diamond. Oh, well, I mean, my kid hook me up. Liz. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my husband would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? 
<laughs> Why do you give them diamond Jesus We're pieces? We're not friends anymore. If you don't give me a sack of cash <laughs> of diamonds, it's over. It's done. <laughs> that's the next level. So, okay. Yeah, that's, I forgot that he was on that video doing that. The mm-hmm. Harden was. Uh, I don't know mom, what he's about. His mom also posted on Instagram today. He just wants a ring. He Every oh time he steps out on the court, he gives 210%. He's just doing what's best for his career. He wants a ring. Well, you know what, Mama Harden? He has had plenty of postseason options to go out and get that ring. Oh, and he yeah. every single. Yeah. Wait, so was he, he was with, I mean, he's been paired up. I don't know what to tell you. He's going to end up with no ring. And that's just ring around the collar. No, he's just chasing. And I'm sorry. If he goes to the Nets, he better get Mm -hmm. the same heat that Kevin Durant got when he went to the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Everybody that's like chasing all these super teams need Mm -hmm. the, they need all that heat on them. I don't mind. I will pile it on. I will pile it on. And I, and my guy, LeBron is like the starting match of that fuckery. The veteran. So yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Um, let's see what else. Oh, Mello brought the braids back at training camp in Portland. The Blazers love day. He looked good. He's like, you know, he's got the fits. He's good. He's in there. He's training. We love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, other hot goss coming out of Los Angeles is the Clippers teammates of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have expressed annoyance with the preferential treatment given to the pair. Um, so yeah. So I'm just like, Whatever you didn't know, okay. So, why is it that we knew we don't even play with them? <laughs> we're not even, we're not even near the on campus with them. And we well, were like, gotta play annoying, highly televised games, or it's a big old fine, baby. I know they Doc, all got that note. Doc was salty today. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if he was salty, but he was like, So, you saw Paul George's uh. His quote about how he they were all upset because they didn't you know switch up their game plan, and it was all Doc. Oh, I that. Yeah. And Doc shot back today, and he's like, "You do know that Ty Lue was down at the other end of the bench with me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it just wasn't me. Like your new coach was there too. <laughs> I I mean I just. Mama. So much. That's the energy. That's the energy. Okay. So um, I forget who it was on Twitter and they were talking also about the energy because they also were like, really, what is this John Wall, Russell Westbrook thing going to do? And in the end, she was like, well, I guess it's just the energy that you bring there. And we've said this so many times, like it's all about like when you see the energy and I mean, I didn't think Kawhi was going to be that I don't know. I just saw him being super chill, whatever, but I would think. Just because they don't talk don't mean they're assholes. That's true. I mean, real assholes don't talk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, it kind of also makes me think like, you know, Popovich got a lot of heat for not being, you know, like he would, he would say things about Kawhi and people were like, Oh no, you know, Uh, and it's like forcing him to play when he's hurt. Yeah. Right. Came out that he was like perfectly fine and just wasn't suiting up. Exactly. He wasn't, he wasn't enabling. Yeah. (sighs) So, well, 
Now he gets uh, Serge Ibaka back in that stew. Oh, yeah. In the Clippers. What a do, um, <laughs> Didn't he make him eat, like, bull penis or something like yeah, that? As his show or whatever that was. Yeah, and his chef cooking show. Wasn't it Snake? No, it was penis and an animal penis. And he had he put it on pizza. <laughs> penis pizza? I mean, like a sausage. Ew. There's only one type of man I would understand would want sausage in their mouth. (laughs) Purposely, but okay. Well, it's on a pizza. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know. But how do you know it's done? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I'm thinking, like, use the temperature thermometer? What temperature? Meat thermometer? What's the what's the internal temperature of animal penis? So, One sixty five, so that so that I don't get food poisoning. Your dick is at one sixty five. <laughs> Put it on high. <laughs> it's the whiskey talking. Oh, oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> Okay, what else we got here on the hot takes? Um, Oh, yes, the NBA teams are each receiving $30 million. Bullshit. That's $900 million overall for COVID financial relief. So, from who? From Trump? No, seriously. Wait, is that from our tax dollars? Trump? They won't be from him. People aren't even getting un- their unemployment or any kind of additional stimulus check, and we're gonna give. They're gonna get thirty mil. Do- doesn't mil. everybody get like twelve hundred dollars for the year? For- yeah, right, they got it. It's like four dollars a day. Maybe made under a certain amount. Yeah. Oh, thirty <laughs> seriously. Mil- Oh my god. Like here's that nine million to sanitize the chairs that people can't afford tickets for. <laughs> That's some that is a how did they pull that off? Yeah, it can't be the Trump administration, they can't stand it. It's the league. The oh, league. you're gonna give everyone 30, 30 mil in the NBA for COVID relief, but let's not because we know this administration for the is over that's in high demand that could bring money in. Like, I don't know, I don't know, but also, um, you know, the NBA players and staff. Okay, I thought this was funny. NBA players and staff will be banned from bars, clubs, live entertainment venues, right. public gyms, spas, and indoor gatherings of 15 or more people under the new COVID 19 safety rules. Wow, it must like, be fun right. to work in sports, huh? But not only that, there has to be over 15 people just in the team. Right. Right. And then all the. Okay. So y'all can't go to lunch together. (laughs) No team lunches. No team lunches at all. Not a single one of you. And then entertainment venues, like that's what they play in. (laughs) I'm sure it's outside work hours, but still that's not going to happen. You know, James would be like, I got to get to the strip club. Oh, absolutely. You know, Lou is going to have to go get his, uh, you know, wing somewhere. He's going to have to. Um, Wings from in between someone's legs. flats. 
They're going to get flat somewhere. You could get it from one of his wives. You know, she can make him <laughs> some wings. Just put it back. They, they the just bubble. get an air fryer. Why'd you just get an air fryer? <laughs> an air fryer. Yeah, now, now we know what to get Lou Williams for Christmas an air fryer. I got him shit. He's getting 30 mil relief, his whole team. Fuck that. <laughs> he was on a call. They're doing the Zoom calls with them, and I, I didn't get to see it, but he had some strong words about, I don't know, the Clippers. The Clippers are falling apart. I don't know. Yeah. I thought they were going to be like, hopefully they get their shit together this season. Sell yeah. them off. I will get them in line. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll see how oh, that goes. Like, he's really a hard, you know, hard-hitting coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, that's all the hot goss and hot takes that I have, and we are going to wrap this up because we're drunk. Um, so, yeah, so <laughs> we want to thank our guest, Nicole Stiff, half of Matson and Gilman in Kentucky. You can go and get a virtual tasting um, on her website. You can see the bottles here that Kendall's holding up. It, it was a great, it's, I mean, I, we're friends with her, so you know, of course, it makes it even more intimate. But she's just great all around, and the product is great, and um, it's awesome. So please support. There you go. Support a little bit here. I'm gonna take a picture of that. Let's put that up there for our crew. Let's see here. Yes, babies. Yes. Oh, I like this. Perfect. So get your virtual um, tastings, and then. Um, yeah, as always, we want to thank you for listening. Um, we know it's holiday time, so stay stay safe out there. Wear a mask, um, social distance. We got to get through this. I mean, we cannot do this anymore. I mean, I want to go for, to Kentucky and do this in real life. So wear a mask. Yeah. While your ass is in your hand. Do, do not oh, be a Rudy Giuliani fart. <laughs> <laughs> wear a mask. <laughs> that motherfucker has COVID now too. Who oh knows? Nobody spread on that one fart. <laughs> Whole court. I take my hoops off <laughs> to that fart, okay? Because it's a super spreader. <laughs> oh yeah, liquid and all. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. <laughs> Getting out of hand now. <laughs> Make sure you download the Good News Radio podcast app and all the other apps that we're on. And as always, how do you want to keep it, ladies? You want to keep it sweaty, sweaty. and, and happy. Boop, boop, boop. We out. <laughs>